John Koskinen intentionally took a flight on December 31st, 1999, so that he would be in the sky as the new year was changing. Anyone know why? Y2K. You remember this, right? And sorry, I apologize if I just sent a shiver of fear through your spine, um, running through your body, but you, you may remember this, and you may remember all the hype surrounding this. Everyone was fearing basically that a computer coding saving space that was trying to save space where the year was only recorded as the last two digits instead of the full four was going to cause mass chaos and send the world into a frenzy. People were stocking up on water and food and feared what might happen as the world turned from the year 1999 into the year 2000. John was the Y2K czar for then President Bill Clinton. So to assure the public that everything was going to be all right, he intentionally boarded that plane. Looking back, it's easy to have a laugh, but people were really worried. And while some of us may have been worried, worry-free through Y2K, there are also moments in our life where worry hits a little closer to home. When our daughter Amelia was around 11 months old, she had a significant health scare. Doctors were concerned with the symptoms so much that they said, hey, you need to prepare for surgery tomorrow. So we went home and some of our family came in and we went to the office and we had a nuclear scan and we were ready for surgery, but they took the scan. They said, the results are fine. She doesn't need surgery. We went home relieved, only to be called hours later and told to rush to the emergency room. They'd be waiting for us and they would know us by name. This also proved to be a false alarm. Doctors were puzzled by these symptoms and Morgan and I were worried out of our minds. And then after a while, the symptoms went away and she was back to normal. I survived Y2K, and then I survived the health scare, but then I found other things to worry about. (laughs) Amelia turned 10 last month. We've reached double digits. And now I have a whole new set of worries about her, as you might imagine. And my children, they're not the only thing I worry about. I worry about aging parents. I worry about finances. I worry that our older house is going to need a costly repair we can't afford. And I also worry about things that have no basis in reality. I feel the pain in my body, and so I check Google for those symptoms. And after just a few minutes of Google searching, there's at least an 85% chance that I'm dying. (laughs) Yet here in Matthew chapter 6, as we continue to look at this great sermon by Jesus, we hear these words, do not worry. Here's the interesting thing about worry. It seems to have a life of its own. Even if I don't want worry in my life, it's a hard friend to get rid of. Worry seems to have a disregard for facts. In fact, worry's two favorite words are yes, but. Yes, I I hear that compelling argument, but have you thought about this? Other translations change the words here as worry to do not be anxious. According to the World Health Organization, the United States has been ranked as the most anxious nation on earth with one in five Americans currently diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. One in five. And likely many others who don't qualify for a disorder still find their lives plagued significantly by crazy amounts of stress, tension, worry, and fear. In another recent study where people self-reported, people said they were more, 39% of people said they were more anxious this year than they were last year. 
It's clear that there's something in Jesus' words that we need to hear today. But, and not to discredit the worries of the first century world, but does Jesus truly understand and recognize the pressures that we are facing here in the year 2020 when he says, don't worry about your life? I love how Thomas Long addresses this saying, at first Jesus' words about the birds and the lilies, lovely as they are, are not very compelling. Sure, birds and lilies don't worry about life, but they also don't have mortgages, car payments, grocery bills, and college tuitions to keep them awake at night. All of us would like to be relieved of our anxiety and worry, but Jesus appears to be um, giving us an unrealistic strategy. Look at the birds, look at the lilies, to which one is tempted to reply, yes, but look at the bills. And in our modern world, it's not just bills that cause us anxiety and leave us feeling overwhelmed. You can take your pick of many culprits. Expanding technology that continues to promise that it's going to make life easier, but doesn't really seem to be delivering on that promise. Social media and its constant and subtle invitation to invite us to constantly compare our lives to the lives of others. The lack of sleep as we try to keep up with our ever-growing to-do list. The 24-7 news cycle that just begs us to worry about something. The fact that work never ends, but it comes home with us and goes on vacation with us. We could cite many other things here, but it's no wonder we all feel a little overwhelmed. And there, there are many ways to deal with anxiety and worry and overwhelming feelings, but can I tell you one of my favorite ways to handle it? We'll, we'll get to Jesus' way in a minute, but this is my personal go-to strategy. It's that extra episode of Netflix. It's the glass of wine to take the edge off. Um, it's the addition of one more thing to my calendar that I might be able to out-busy those feelings of worry. It's the infinite scroll of social media where you never really get to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but you just keep scrolling anyway. Basically, it's a shut-off button. I don't want to feel anymore. I don't want to worry anymore. What can I do to numb this pain and dissatisfaction with life as I know it? And friends, I'm really good at numbing out. I imagine some of you are as well. I love how Brene Brown talks about numbing in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. For me, she says, it wasn't just dance halls, cold beer, and Marlboro Lights in my youth that got out of hand. It was banana bread, chips and queso, Email, work, staying busy, incessant worrying, planning, perfectionism, and anything else that could dull those agonizing and anxiety-fueled feelings of vulnerability. And that's a big part of it right there, isn't it? We worry because we feel vulnerable. We feel that life is vulnerable, fragile even. Life is out of our control and we don't know what to do about it. So we exercise our control by choosing to worry about something or by numbing ourselves when worry becomes too much to handle. This is where Jesus' words, do not worry, come in the form of a correction, yes, but also in the form of an invitation to another way to be in this world. Jesus here wants to offer a better way to exist than we sometimes do in our often anxiety-plagued culture. The verbs used here, to look, look at the birds, look at the lilies, are very strong verbs in the Greek. 
They're an invitation to really look, to pause, to truly consider what you are seeing. To stand still and notice from the skies to the ground, it is clear that God cares for the creatures of this world. When is the last time you paused and took in the beauty of creation all around you? Over Thanksgiving break, we took our kids out west to the Davis Mountains. We spent several days just surrounded by the beauty of creation. We even ran into a dust storm on a desolate road where literally hundreds of tumbleweeds, some the size of a small car, were just crashing into us and flying over the highway. We went under the darkest sky in the McDonald's Observatory and got to check out the sky and the galaxies far away, farther than I could comprehend through powerful telescopes. We hiked several miles up to the peak with a panoramic view. It's easy sometimes to pause and look when you're in a place like that taking in the beauty and mystery of life. But eventually we came home, had to unpack and get back to normal life. Pausing and breathing in the beauty and the mystery is a lot harder in the middle of your pace of work, shuffling kids and everything else we have to do in our daily lives. As I was preparing this sermon, I felt convicted a few times. So there were several times where this passage would come to mind and I was driving or sitting in a coffee shop. And I would try to take a moment to pause and truly consider, to put these words into practice. And I can tell you, every time I did, I felt a little bit of space open up in my soul for things like joy and peace. I sensed that I wasn't alone, and there was more going on in this world than my normal routine. It can be hard to pause and truly look. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. Jesus reminds us that human life is more valuable than the birds and the lilies. Are you not more valuable than they? Jesus wants you and I And those first century listeners and anyone else who would hear these words to know that we are loved, cared for, and incredibly valued by God. One of the great arguments Jesus is making here is that if God is the author of this life, if life itself is a gift from God, is he suddenly going to change course and not see to it that life is sustained? The life he so creatively and intentionally created, where he breathed the breath of life into our lungs, Will he now forget of its existence? Of course not. As Jesus says in verse 32, indeed, your heavenly father knows you need all these things. Therefore, do not worry. Jesus three times invites us to recognize God's care in our life and then three times responds with the words, therefore, do not worry. As we move our way through this passage, there's an invitation here. Jesus is saying there's a better way than the striving of the Gentiles or of our modern day culture. It's really an invitation to trade worry for trust. And I don't mean to make that sound too simplistic. No doubt you and I will vacillate between worry and trust as we navigate our daily lives. Thomas Merton reminds us that the spiritual life is first of all a life. It is meant to be lived, not merely known or studied. It's in the living of our daily lives, our potentially worry-filled lives, 
that we learn to live in trust of a God who cares for us and will sustain us. We have to live this out. We have to catch ourselves when we are lost in worry and draw our attention back to the present moment where we find a God who is here with us. The word worry, translated here, is the same word used in another passage to describe Martha. And it means distracted, divided, or drawn in different directions. When we get caught up in worry or become anxious about the strivings of our lives, we limit our perspective. Worry keeps us focused on our own limited resources where trust and seeking the kingdom first remind us of the abundant resources of God. We have a God who cares for the birds and the lilies, and he's longing to care for us as well. But Jesus doesn't leave us with just this simple command of do not worry, but invites us further into this trust saying, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. He calls us out of distraction into a single-minded pursuit. Therefore, do not worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The truth is, we are all seeking something. We are all striving for purpose and meaning, for comfort and security, for approval and belonging. John Stock comments on this saying, it's not natural for people to drift aimlessly through life like plankton. We need something to live for. Something to give meaning to our existence, something to seek, something on which to set our hearts and our minds. We are all seeking something. The question is, what are we seeking? Jesus lets us know that if we are chasing the things of this world, all that glitters around us, get ready for some worry and anxiety. Yet if we are trusting and resting in the care of God and seeking his kingdom, then all the other things will be added as well. So we have a choice here. We can participate in the activity of worry, and isn't it just that, an activity, something to do? It it doesn't accomplish much, as Jesus reminds us, who by worrying has added even a single moment to the span of their life. Or we can choose to pause and consider God's abundance, receive his care, and then lean a little bit more into the kingdom. Here's the problem with numbing. If we choose to numb out, we miss the opportunity to let Jesus walk with us through our worries and our fears, to walk with us through today and that fear tomorrow, to find out that he is with us no matter what life throws at us, and he cares for us deeply. See, you can't numb the bad without also numbing the good. Earlier, we acknowledged that part of our worry and our anxiety is that life feels fragile, and it often leaves us feeling vulnerable. We are a people that likes control, and eventually we can't control everything, and therefore we get anxious about the outcomes, whether that's financial security, our health, our families, our careers. But while life can be fragile, the kingdom of God is not fragile. That's where I think Jesus' words to strive for the kingdom and his righteousness are more than just a great aspirational statement, but a true reorientation to a way of being in this world. If all we are living for is these fleeting moments, then it would make perfect sense for us to spend a significant amount of time worrying about what to eat, drink, and wear, and all the implications that come with us. 
it would make sense for us to chase after all that glitters. But the kingdom, the place where we experience the rule and reign of a God who takes care of the birds and the lilies, where things like love, joy, and peace exist in abundance, this kingdom is worth our seeking. So today, you can pause and realize the mystery of God's presence with us. Today, you can realize that there is a God that cares for you. Today, you can receive that love and then be love in return. Today, you can strive first for the kingdom and his righteousness. Let tomorrow worry about itself. That is more than enough for today. Amen.